get in the right key. You feel like you ever start the day off the wrong way? Well, we're going to get back on track this morning. Amen.
Give the Lord a praise in the house today. Amen. How many are thankful that your chains are gone? Praise the Lord. God is so good. You can be seated if you like. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. The, the Bible says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Aren't you thankful that you can have the honor and the privilege to come in the house of God and find freedom and find peace? And that you can't find in the world, and we're so thankful. We want to welcome you to Calvary Assembly this morning. We uh, are so glad to see that you are a part of our family, and uh, we want you to feel like you're part of our family. If you're here for the first time or you're a guest, we do have a connection card. It looks just like this. It's right outside the doors there on the, on the uh, foyer area. We'd like for you to pick one of these up if you are new or you haven't been here for a while and just fill out that card for us because we'd like to connect with you and so that you can connect with us. Um, we just want to say again, we welcome everybody here. Uh, you know, the, as far as our announcements today, we want to go ahead and get those over with. The, um, <clears throat> the women are going to be having a get-together. Uh, that is going to be on August the 28th at 9 a.m. So all the women... Prepare yourselves for the get-together um, and come. Sister Tammy's doing a, uh, a, a wonderful job with that, connecting with God and connecting with others, coffee and prayer. How many loves coffee and prayer? My wife will say amen. <laughs> she even put a coffee bar in her home, okay? So, I mean, that's how much she loves coffee. But uh, also, you know, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to welcome back Pastor Kevin Sister Tina and Marta, amen? We welcome them back. We missed them, didn't we, church? Absolutely, and it is so great to have pastors that uh, are after God's own heart and, you know, the, that, ha that God has appointed for such a time as this. And I'm going to tell you what, they are your gift, church, okay? 
And so I will tell you real quick, just in ways that you can bring encouragement to our pastors here, and, and that is one of the things that you can do, of course, is pray for them. You know, they need prayer. Just like you and I need prayer, they need to be held up in prayer, and I mean prayed for every day. As often as you can, lift up your pastors in prayer. And then encourage your pastor by showing up for church. Amen. Believe me, that encourages a pastor when he shows that he's got a message, God's given him, he's burning in him. The, worship, uh, the pastor has got a worship song that the, the Lord's been burning her. We need you here. Amen. God wants you to be here. But that's how you encourage. And when you are here, then find ways that you can connect. Find ways that you could even ask him. Say, you know what, pastor, what could I do to serve? What can I do to help you? Okay. That is ways that you can encourage you can also encourage your pastor by gifting them, G-I-F-T-I-N-G. Everybody say amen. amen. Gift them, amen. Just gift them because, you know, they are sent by God for us for such a time as this. And, you know, you, you, you will be a blessing when you do those things for your pastors. But we appreciate you coming. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Let's just pray. We just want God to have his way in the service. We want God's anointing to be up on our pastor as he comes to feed us the word of God this morning. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we have already been in worship, we've already sensed and felt your very presence here this morning. And Father, we thank you that, Lord, it's because of your love it's because of such great mercy and grace that you bestowed upon us. The word says that even while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the salvation that you have freely given to us. Now, Father, we pray for our pastor as he prepares, Lord, to come and bring forth, Lord, the word of God this morning that you have given him for us. We pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would come over him. God, we pray that you would just take up residence in this place right now, that we would decrease in this place so that you can increase in power and might. Use him, Lord, mightily as he comes forward now, God. We praise you for him. We thank you for him and his family. And we just ask, God, that you would bring blessings upon them. And I mean blessings abundantly we ask in Jesus name and everybody together says an amen. amen if you love your pastor and appreciate him give him a big hand as he comes amen Can somebody say amen this morning amen how many glad to be in the house of the Lord today how many ready to get in the word of God David said let us say unto me let us go where Come on. David said, let us go into where? The house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to be, uh, it's good to be back. And I believe God has got great and mighty things uh, planned for your life and our life and the life of this church. Amen. Uh, how many of you know that before you walk out of this church uh, today, that God has your week already designed. And before you walk out of uh, this church today, 
that God has the right people in place to minister to you along the way. How many of you believe that? That when you leave today, that God's got your week already designed in what He wants to do in your life before you ever walk out of this building. Uh, last week, I stepped down off of the platform, and it was a lady in this church that came to me, and she said, Pastor, I, I just felt like the Lord, and it, it was Sister Tina. She's not able to be here this morning. And she said, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, God is about to turn the ship around, this church around. She said, but, but Pastor, you need to keep your eyes on where God has taken us and not allow distractions along the way to throw you off course. And so I walked out of this building, and Monday and Tuesday, I was, it was either Monday or Tuesday, I was really uh, thinking about that. And how many of you know that when God speaks to you to tell someone else something and you know it's God, you need to follow through with it with obedience. Can you say amen to that? Uh, I got a text a couple days later from a gentleman from this church, and it was a, uh, it was a text, I think, is that called TikTok? Is that what that's called? Okay. I'm a little, I'm a little old, getting a little older now. So, and it was this lady in this TikTok, she was kind of explaining the story of Peter. How Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and he began to what? He began to sink. And uh, in that, she was saying, she was saying, always make sure, no, no matter what you're surrounded by, to always keep your eyes on Jesus. And so I knew after getting that, that the Lord was really trying to tell me, Kevin, no, no matter what's going on at this present moment, just keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter the circumstance, just keep your eyes on Jesus. And so I, I wanted to say to you this morning that before you walk out of this building, God has your week already set up. Isn't that good to know? That no matter what I'm, I'm, I'm facing with this week coming up, that God either has someone uh, in place to either speak to me or the Lord's going to speak to me, that He's got it all lined up, that He's going to take care of me no matter what's going on in my life this week. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen? Now for the second sermon. Turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 4 through 10. I want to speak just for a few moments this morning on uh, don't stand back any longer. How many of you have told your kids uh, something and you have to tell them again and you have to tell them again and then you have to tell them again and how many times have you, a couple of them looked at their mom there. How many times do you have to say, enough's enough? How many of you parents have said that before? Yeah. Amen. Enough's enough. Donna, I mean, uh, Sister Betty, I know you've said that to Donna before. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Well, it's time that we tell the enemy, enough's enough. That we're not going to stand for this enemy any longer. 
and allow the enemy uh, to come in our camp and take what doesn't belong to him. Second Samuel, let's go to Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse, uh, let's go to verse, uh, uh, ver let's go to verse 4. Start with verse 4 down to verse uh, 10 is where we're going to take our text this morning. David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years in Horam. He, uh, he reigned over Judea seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all of Israel and Judea 33 years. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off, they thought. David cannot get in here, nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David or Jerusalem. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and the blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was what? Was with him. Now, that story at this moment might not, might not mean a whole lot uh, but before we're done, I'm going to try to tie all of this uh, together. Titled, Let's Not Stand Back and Take What the Enemy is Throwing at Us. The Jebusites is a group of people, a group of army that is, they're massive and they're very strong in power. And now they rule or reign uh, Jerusalem. And they're a mighty army that is uh, vicious, is uh, furious, and they'll do anything to win a war. Is that not like the devil in our life? Is that not like the, the enemy in our life? that he will throw everything within his power at you and I. He'll go to any length to try to destroy our, our marriage, to try to destroy our friendships, to try to destroy our, our health. He'll go to any length to try to destroy our friendships, our, our finances. He'll try to go to any length to destroy maybe something that's going on in our, in our job. He'll, he'll do anything to destroy our, as I said, our relationships. Anything that the devil uh, can do to bring chaos to our life, Brother Wayne, he'll do. For the Bible is very clear that he comes to, he comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. And there's not any one of us in the building 
today that the devil does not have his sights on. There's not any one of us that's sitting here today that the devil doesn't intend to wreck your life some way or another. It's his job, it's his aim, it's his ambition to make your life as miserable as he can. But David was a, David was a warrior. David was a great leader. David was a man that spoke prophetically. David's name is mentioned 600 times in the Old Testament and 60 times in the New Testament. David, in his heart for God, through the prophetic anointing, David knew God wanted him to take this city, to conquer this city that the Jebusites possessed. At this time in Bible history, there were, there were 12 tribes of Israel. But now they have been divided because of the army of the Jebusites. There were 12 tribes, but six were divided, and the other six were divided. One was a northern kingdom, and the other was a southern kingdom led by David. And these tribes that were divided, there were family and there were friends. If you look at your life, the devil wants to divide everything he can possible. He wants to divide family marriages, uh, families. He wants to divide uh, marriages. He wants to divide churches. He wants to divide workplaces. He wants to divide everything that he can divide. Man against woman, group against group, church against church, people against people, anything that he can do to bring division, the devil will do. Just think about your life and the times that the devil has done everything in his power to bring division. How many of you know that when you tried to bring back something that the devil has divided, the devil is going to be right in the middle of everything you are trying to put back together. Now hang with me for just a few moments because this is going to all come together. On one side, there is the northern kingdom. On the other side, there's the southern kingdom. But right in the middle of these kingdoms, we have a city that the Jebusites have taken over. It will later be called Mount Zion. It will be later, we will see, where the Temple of Solomon is going to be built. We will later see that the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to this city and to this great mountain where God wanted God's children, Israel, to possess. Scholars say that this mountaintop was 40 miles long, 40 miles wide. The Jebusites had such an advantage as an army 
They would look down on other armies knowing that neither, it didn't matter which way they came in or out, they were going to win the war. The devil wants you and I to think that he is going to win the war. He wants you and I to think that whatever's in our life at this present moment is going to stay in our life. He wants you and I to think whatever you may be wrestling with that you will be overcome by the enemy. Can you raise your hands to that? He's going to do everything he can to play mind games with you, making you think that you are going to lose the battle. How many of you still with me this morning? How many of you are living there at this very moment? The enemy starts to taunt David and the children of Israel. The enemy is, is, is starts to play mind games with them. The enemy starts throwing up things about David's ancestors, Isaac and Jacob. Remember, Isaac became blind and Jacob became lame as he wrestled with the Lord. The Jebusites was saying, remember in the scripture? The Jebusites was saying, your ancestors was weak men, and so you're weak also. The enemy was taunting David. Your family could never take this city. Your ancestors could never take this city. They were weak. You're weak. The ones coming behind you, your children are weak. And this army that you have will never be able to take this city. This city is a strong tower set up by the Jebusites. Boy, does that sound like the enemy playing mind games in my mind. How about your mind? That he not only throws one thing, Pastor Steve. But Pastor John, he decides he's going to throw something else. And then he, then he, then he throws something else at us. And then we, when we felt like maybe we won a little bit of that, it, he, he throws another punch, doesn't he? For it's a one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, four punch. As he continually just taunts us. He just... He just Taunts us one thing after another. I'm reminded of, uh, I wrote down in my uh, notes here, I'm reminded, how many of you are sports fans? How many of you are basketball fans? How many of you remember Larry Bird? It used to play for the Boston Celtics. He used to be great at taunting the opposite team. Uh, they said one time that he went up to the coach of the opposite team and looked him right in the eye and was just taunting him. 
and saying, he said to him, do you have anybody on your team that can guard me? And then he would taunt the players as he was playing with them. And I read a little story uh, last night where Larry Bird would taunt the cheerleaders. He did anything to taunt them to mess with their mind when they were playing the game of basketball. And the devil does the same thing with us. The exact same thing. We get victory in one area and he just shoots at another area in our life. The thing was that the Jebusites had a history of destroying and defeating armies all around Israel. And the enemy was using, the Jebusites was using this taunting to put fear in David, David and Israel. And the enemy does the same thing to you and I. He taunts us to put fear in us. He taunts us because he wants us to live in fear. If you're taking notes. See, intimidation is the enemy's last hope for victory. Say that with me. Intimidation is the enemy's last hope for victory. The worst thing that can happen to the enemy is for you and I to realize the power and the promise that you and I possess. He mocks our ability, saying you don't have the, the talent or the skill. He mocks us spiritually. You're not spiritually enough to contend with me as the enemy. He mocks our past failures. He mocks our past failures. How many times has the enemy brought up your failures of the past? He mocks our failures, reminding you of what you've done in the past. Intimidation distracts us. Intimidation throws us off. The enemy wants us to be intimidated to the point, here it is, you lose your focus and you lose your fight. The enemy wants you to lose your focus, and he wants you to lose your fight. But say with me together, we're not going to stand back any longer. Let's try that again. We're not going to stand back any longer. How many of you want victory in your life? Come come on, how many of you want victory in your life? How many of you tired of, 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 of walking your everyday walk? And you're saved, but how many of you know that you can be saved and defeated? How many of you know that you can be a born-again Christian, reading your Bible, <coughs> excuse me, praying, but there's times in your life that you can be very defeated? I don't want to walk in defeat anymore. When my feet hit the ground in the morning, I want to be victorious. I want to I fight the good fight of faith. I, I want to be victorious through my, through my day. David prophetically heard from the Lord. David has decided today is the day. We take the city and bring the tribes of the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom 
back together. Say, back together. Say with me, today is today. Today is the day that I'm going to start walking in victory. Come on, we, it, it's a mind game that the devil plays with us. Let's say it together. Today is the day that I'm going to start walking in victory. Today is the day. I'm not going to stand back any longer and allow the enemy to defeat me because today I stand and say no longer will I stand for what the enemy is throwing at me. Today is the day. And David made up in his mind that I'm not staying for it any longer. I've done allowed fear to dominate me. I didn't allow the Jebusites to taunt me. I didn't allow the enemy to come against me. But today, I stand and I make a stand. Today is the day that I, stand, that I decide to start walking in victory in my life. And that was the pivot point of the victory of David and Israel. The victory wasn't fought. I mean, the victory wasn't won when they won the battle. The victory was won in David's mind. When David made up his mind that they were going to win and take Jerusalem, that's when the victory was won. The devil wants to get in your mind. That's what Larry Bird was trying to do with the coach and the cheerleaders and the team. He knew if he could taunt their mind and get in their mind, they could win. The devil is the same way. If he can taunt your mind and keep coming against your mind and keep lying to you and keep taunting you in your mind, then he's already won. You have to win the battle in your mind before it's ever won anywhere else. And David made up in his mind, today is the day. Let's say it all together. Today is the day. Now, how many, how many of you believe that? How many, let's say that by faith. Come on, let's say that by faith. Today is the day that I get victory. Verse number 8, And David said on that day, Whoever gets up the gutter and smites the Jebusites, David and the Israel started their journey up the gutter to reach the top. Remember, there was no other way to the top of the mountain to defeat this enemy but to go up the gutter. Now, how many of you have ever cleaned out the gutter before at your house? It's smelly. It's stinky. It can be rotten. Anything can be in a gutter. But that was the only way to get to the top of the hill, to conquer this city. Because there were three valleys on each side of this mountaintop that the Jebusites could see for miles, their enemy coming. And the only way was up through that gutter to win that battle. How many of you got some stinking things going on in your life right now? 
How many of you got some stinking thing? You, you feel like your life is full of nothing but a big old gutter right now. How many of you feel like that? You just, you just got a lot of stuff going on in your life right now. The enemy has is, is, is put all kinds of that stinking rotten. You clean out the gutter and there's old leaves and uh, green stuff and nasty stuff. And you're doing everything you can to clean out that thing because... The water's got to run down the gutter. Well, guess what? David and his army decided today is the day, and we're going up the gutter to win the battle. Some of you are going to have to listen, listen, bring this together. Some of you are going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight through that stinking old rotten stuff the devil is throwing at you. And you're going to have to have a determination. I don't care what he throws at me. I don't care how bad that the enemy gets in my face. I don't care how much he taunts me that I am going to fight up through the gutter. And I'm going to just keep fighting. And I'm going to throw this trash out. And I'm going to throw this comment to the side. And I'm going to throw this situation to the side. And I'm going to throw all of this stuff. And I'm going to keep climbing. And I'm going to keep fighting. And I'm going to keep speaking the word. And I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep fasting. And I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep quoting the word. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm a winner through Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm going to throw the dirt out. I'm going to throw those old leaves out. I'm going to throw that stuff out of my life. I'm going to keep climbing and keep throwing it out. Believing if God be for me, who can be against me? Before the night was over, David and Israel had climbed up that old gutter trough and conquered that city that had never been conquered. But before the night is over, he is calling. Listen to this. Before the night is over, David is calling that hill that the Jebusites had, the hill of Zion. The city of David. The city of the great king. If your family is a mess, dirty, smelly, and grimy, you keep climbing. Do not let the enemy taunt you in saying it will never change. They'll never get off of drugs. You keep climbing. You keep throwing the dirt out of the gutter. You keep throwing the grime out of the gutter. And you keep climbing and you keep fighting. You keep believing. You keep coming to church. You keep worshiping. You keep getting in the Word. You keep reaching for the top. If you keep believing and you keep fighting and you keep climbing, it's going to be a time for a name change. My son was lost. But now he's found and now he's saved. I once was sick, but now there's a name change. I am healed. I once was addicted, but now I have been set free. I got a name change. I will not stand back any longer and let the enemy destroy me. For once again, if God be for me, who shall be against me? By the time the enemy had ran to the mountain, and by the time they got up there, the enemy was gone. And the enemy had made haste 
for David and Israel had conquered the city where the Jebusites stood. What is the enemy keeping you out of? What is he keeping you from dreaming of? What is he keeping you from? He's just taunting you day after day after day. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite city saying things like, you'll never be free from alcoholism. You'll never be free from divorce. Your granddaddy was. Your daddy was divorced. Now look at you. Let's say it together. I curse that lying spirit. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite mountain saying, your son, your daughter will never change. Your job will never change. Your situation will never change. I curse that lying spirit this morning. There are voices from the Jebusite mountain saying, you're not good enough. Look, nobody in your family did anything. They didn't do amount to anything. You're not going to amount to anything. I curse that lying spirit this morning. There are voices from the top of that Jebusite mountain saying, your granddaddy was broke, your daddy was broke, your family's broke, now you're going to be broke. I, lie, I bind that lying spirit. Let's stand back no longer because victory is ours, saith the Lord. I want to I want to close with this. Scholars believe now. Just come in just for a couple minutes because I want to. This is powerful. I'm going to close with this. Scholars believe that when David cut off Goliath's head and carried it all the way outside the city of Jerusalem, which at this point was a non-Israelite city, again, even though it was in the heart of the promised land, that up to this point Israel had not conquered it yet, could it be the head of Goliath acted as a security deposit for David's large achievement of later taking that city that the Jebusites had control over, which was called the city of Jerusalem. Do you remember in the Bible when David cut off the head of Goliath that he took it back to the city and I, some scholars believe he put it on a pole? Could he could have could he been saying that one day we're going to take that city? I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I killed Goliath. You're next. I killed the lion. I, I, killed, I killed the bear. I cut off Goliath's head. Devil, I want you to know that that city belongs to Mount Zion. That is where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be carried back to. Devil, I want you to know that that city is going to be taken by the power and the work of Almighty God. I'm closing, I promise. Hang in there. Which in part was later called the place of the skull. The hilltop that David conquered, that the Jebusites had, which is translated Calvary. Which was later we see as Golgotha, 
Why was Jesus crucified on a hill known as a place of the skull? They believed that Goliath's head was buried somewhere on the hill of Mount Calvary. Stay with me. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we have the first prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus, Savior of mankind. And I will put hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The crushing of Satan's head is our first clue as to why Jesus was crucified on Calvary. Man, this is good. The significance of Jesus being crucified on Calvary, the place of the skull, was to show his victory over the enemy, Satan. Thus fulfilling the prophecy of Genesis 3, chapter 15. As the nail would have been driven through the heels of the one being crucified, Jesus. Genesis chapter 15 was being partially fulfilled. As Jesus was lifted above the ground, the place of the skull crushing the head of Satan. Jesus was literally in a position over the enemy and over the giants of evil. Oh, hallelujah. As they raised our Jesus Christ up that was crucified, it was saying to you and I, there is no giant in our life that cannot be defeated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When that cross went up and he hung there, he hung there. He was telling the enemy, there is no head of a giant in your life that cannot be cut off. For there is victory in every area of your life. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's enough to walk out of here with victory. Can somebody say amen? amen? That's something to walk out of here with victory. Look at you sitting, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not gonna stand it any longer. Say, come on, you tell you told your how did how did you tell your children enough's enough? Did you do you say now enough's enough? I mean, when enough was enough with you, did you say, you know, no, I, I didn't told you, uh, I, I didn't told you, uh, you know, enough's enough. You want me to illustrate how you told them enough was enough? I didn't told you enough is enough. Now go clean your room. Enough's enough. I, uh, we were at, uh, this, this does fit in, we were at a, a family, Tina's family reunion back uh, in the summertime, and uh, all of her aunt and uncles and cousins, I mean, it was a pile of people there, I mean, a pile of people, and they wanted to get a family picture, 
And so all of us lined up out there, and the photographer was out in front. And it was this little little boy. I don't know. He was about 10 or 12. And he had a, a little brother. Well, it, we had a hard time getting all the kids together, okay? And uh, so the bigger brother turned around, and his, his younger brother was over there. And, and he, t- he was telling him to, 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 to get over there, and he was bossing him and trying to tell him to get over there. And so help me, his mother was standing there, there and watch this, and she turned around, I mean, all of us are standing there, and out loud, she's right in the middle, and she turns around and she says, you're not the boss. What are we going to tell the devil? You're not the boss. I want you to look at the devil this week and say, you're not the boss. Just that, like that mom turned around and told her little son that was telling the little one, she said, you're not the boss. I want us to let the enemy know this week that he is not the boss. This word in Jesus Christ is our boss and our deliverer. The one's going to take care of us. Amen. Let's throw our hands up in the air. Let's let's put the closing prayer. Father, boy, have you proven in this message this morning that we got victory. Anything that we're facing in our life right now, we got victory on. Hallelujah. God, there's ones here this this morning that, I mean, they've got, they got some craziness going on in their life right now. And God, if, if I sat down and talked to every one of them, God, it would take a long time. Some of them are really tough things going on right now in their life. And Lord, you wanted me to deliver a package this morning. And in that package, it had victory written all over it. Now, God, as they walk out of this building, they've got to make up in their mind that they're going to walk in victory. It's not going to come automatically. They're going to have to fight. They're going to have to get their word out this week. They're going to have to be like some of our old grandmothers and our that got on their knees in the middle of the night and got their Bible and they fought through what was going on in their life. So God, this week, we might have to get on our knees a little more. We might have to quote the word a little bit more. We might have to praise a little bit more. But the battle is the Lord's. <laughs> battle is the Lord's. And we're going to walk in victory. We're not going to walk around in shame, walk around in defeat, but we're going to walk in victory. Let's all get our hands in the air this morning, okay? Let's sing this one more time before we close.
as a pastor, I, man, I love you guys. I was waiting for you too long. I want you to walk in victory. The more you walk in victory, the more desire you're going to have to come to the house of the Lord and worship. They're not, you're not going to have to get up on Sunday morning and say, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, should I, should I not go to church. You're going you're gonna to want to run to the church. I want everyone to look at me this morning. Why did some of the old grandmas walk around in victory like they did? You stop by their house and they invite you over for a piece of pie and they start speaking in tongues before they ever got the pie cut. You know what we've lost? Staying on these and staying in this until the victory came. Because I remember my mom going in the bedroom and just crying out to God at night, no, right in the middle of the day. You get the word of God and you find the promise and you get on your knees and you pray and you read and you quote scripture and you worship until victory comes. And every one of you look at me this morning. If you'll get on your knees and you'll get in the word of God and you'll get in worship and you'll fight through all of that stuff, victory is going to belong to every one of us. But listen, listen, it's not going to come. Well, you know what? God's going to come through for me on this battle and just get up and not spend no time praying, not spend no time reading, not spend no time quoting the word. You just thinking it's coming, it's not going to come. You're going to have to get in the word on your knees in worship and fight the good fight of faith. Now that's old timey, but if you want victory, that's how you're going to get victory. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week in the Lord.